Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One, two, three, four. Filled with awe and fright. See Jurassic right. Bathe in ember light. See Jurassic right. See Jurassic right. Right, right. See this man does not need any introduction and truly i don't know if this podcast would even be here without him because when i first moved to la like about nine years ago I started to get back into Jurassic and I discovered his YouTube channel and, you know, kind of the rest is history. It's Jurassic Collectibles. Hello. Uh, this is such an honor to chat with you today. It's um, likewise, you know, it's it's funny to think about because I think we live in such an age where like our fandoms are always an ever present and there's always <laughs> there's always the threat of a new film on the horizon. But, yeah. you know, when I in 2011, you know, it was kind of like a no man's land, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it, it, it was a it was a funny time because I, when I first started the channel, it really was just on a whim, and I think a lot of people think that I purposefully set up Jurassic Collectibles because there was nothing else like it at the time. That's not true. I started it because of just starting to start to collect specific things that were part part of my childhood. So the the, the Red Rex was the thing that started it all. Funnily enough. Um, and I picked that up and I made a little video just to, to share with two two friends. Oh, wow. And uh, I sent it to them and they said, that is amazing. I, I remember that. That was such a kind of, you know, a, a toy that everyone recognized. Yeah. And um, I just left it on YouTube. I didn't do anything with the channel. I just left it there. And I think I came back a year later or so and it was like hundreds of thousands of views. And I was like, okay, people are actually looking for this stuff. Um, so I thought, well, I've collected a few more things since. I haven't filmed those. Let's let's maybe start doing this as a you know a few videos here and there. And it just it just picked up and grew and grew and grew. But it really did start on a whim of just thinking, oh, I'll just get the red Rex. And then it kind of 
was propelled by people's fandom and people's enthusiasm for it. You know, I wouldn't have collected the stuff if people hadn't taken an interest in it. So, huh. yeah, you know, it's people like you who, you know, supported me and, and you know, listened and watched to the channel. And um, that's 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 how Jurassic Collectibles came about, really. Wow. That's so I mean, well, but I, that feels like the perfect kind of start to something like this where because like you know, if I'm explaining your channel to somebody or I'm explaining, you know, in a way sort of, and, you know, I don't know if our philosophies align perfectly, but to me, a big part of, cause when I moved to LA and, you know, wasn't, you know, I was just, you know, Jurassic Park was a thing I liked as a kid. Like, yeah, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily something I was going to start collecting or anything again, but I feel like what I love about your channel and what was inspiring about it was this idea that like, it's not about, you know, the Funko popization of collecting, like getting them all, getting the most expensive thing. It's almost just like finding the stuff that makes you happy, the stuff that interests you, the stuff that really like, you know, moved you as a kid or something mm. like that. Like, I love the idea that it's like, you know, the candy, this like weird tie in book, you know, these trading <laughs> cards from Australia. Like it's the stuff like I look at my collection, you know, next to me right now. And it's like, you know, it's like weird stuff that like nobody would really care about. but like the select few that would be like, Oh wow. I had those McDonald's cups as a kid or something like that. I don't, was it, you know, just to bring it back a little bit was, was it more of the idea of just trying to just like now, like, cause to me it's like, Oh, I'm an adult. I can buy whatever I want. I want the red Rex again. Was it kind of yeah, sort of, sort of as simple as that? Yeah. To a degree, essentially I'd, I'd come out of um, study and was working and um, earning money and was happy. And uh, I just thought, you know, if I could, if I could own anything right now, <laughs> what would, what would, you know, cheer me up? Uh, and it was the Red Rex. I thought, I wonder if, you know, people still sell. And I was surprised to find that you could actually get them as they came in the shop. And I thought, oh my goodness, like that would be so cool to own it as, as it looked yeah. in, in the shop when I used to see this thing. And funny enough, I didn't own the Red Rex as a child. So I think it was kind of like an unrequited, you know, like a, a oh yeah, a, yeah. Like a, I really wanted to own this thing. And, and my parents, um, my grandparents got me the, the young Tyrannosaurus Rex, the smaller brown toy. And uh, I remember kind of being slightly disappointed at first that they'd got <laughs> the wrong one, but also I was over the moon that I got something official in Jurassic Park. And uh, I guess it was kind of like a, a thing that had never been resolved in me that I wanted to own this red Rex. And then stuff happened like, I started to find more and more things that were related to Jurassic Park. And it was, it was an obsession with eBay. I think, you know, Jurassic collectibles wouldn't exist without the joy that is eBay. <laughs> the stuff you can stumble across uh, while you're searching for your Jurassic Park Red Rex is uh, numerous and wonderful. And you can come across and you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't even know this thing existed. And that for me was a wonderful voyage of discovery because I loved Jurassic Park so much yeah. when I was younger that to discover there was all this stuff that existed alongside what I knew of and, and had no idea about and yet were really, really cool stuff, like stuff that showed behind the scenes, um, little snippets of how the film was made, the, the visual effects. Um, it just opened my eyes and it just made me think, right, um, I want to collect this, but I want to collect it on a deeper level of what was popular at the time when the film came out. So I can get a feeling of the culture of the film when it actually came out kind of globally, but also what was important to me about Jurassic Park and why was it so special to me personally? And, and as I've gotten older, I've kind of shared a lot of the stuff that is kind of not stuff that that was around when I was younger yeah. and I've focused more on things that really remind me of Jurassic Park in 1993, 92, um, because it, a lot of stuff did come out in 92. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, just anything that, that reminds me of how wonderful the film was in terms of, I, I keep on comparing the film to like a miracle. It is a miracle that that film got made in the way that it did. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful yeah. film. Um, down to every, pretty much every facet, every aspect of the film of it. It's just a wonderfully put together film. And I just yeah. keep going back to that origin of, of Jurassic Park and looking at it and going, Oh my God, that, that makes it cooler. And I never knew that about it. And that's the wonderful part of collecting Jurassic Park. 
Well, it's yeah, it's interesting because it's I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's like anti nostalgia, but it's almost like how can I instead of, you know, trying to like preserve the legacy and like in rose tinted glasses, it's more of like like you're saying you're it's more about almost like going back in time in a way. Yes, so, absolutely. One of my favorite things is the marketing guide for Jurassic Park, which to me wow. is like it's like it's like having a look inside the brain of the person who constructed my childhood. It's <laughs> like, and and seeing like okay, so this is how we want to market Jurassic Park, um, and it's on the channel. I've done a, a breakdown of the marketing guide, but it's got like logos. Um, you know, the way that you should lay things out on products. Here's some examples of product mugs, t-shirts. And to look at that and go, okay, they had it all planned. It was all planned out and they gave this to people. And this has become, you know, what saturated my childhood. Yeah, yeah. To see that in parts is amazing. And it makes me appreciate the, the marketing behind the film. But it's the same thing with like anything behind the scenes. So like the storyboards of Jurassic Park, and I'm lucky enough to own some original storyboards, some early storyboards for Jurassic Park. And again, it's the same appreciation looking at it and seeing this deeper level of planning and craft that went into this film. And, you know, maybe, maybe my love of it is creating this, this appreciation. Maybe the appreciation is, is just me, <laughs> but, but I feel like the more I learn about Jurassic Park, the deeper it gets. It's like, it just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, and the nice thing is now a lot of creatives who were involved in the making of the film are coming out of the woodwork on Twitter, Instagram, or wherever. And I'm yeah. learning new stuff about the film that I really would have loved in that dead zone between <laughs> what 2001 and 2015 yeah like yeah. if if i'd heard even one of these bits of information these crumbs of information it would have blown my mind <laughs> and now we're getting it like every other day because of jurassic world and the exposure that that's giving the old films yeah that's a good point i was gonna say it's it's really lovely the way you know describing the sort of deeper appreciation of the film because and your channel turned me on to these, which was the Australian trading cards, because oh, I love those. I, I feel like as far as, you know, with everything in the original marketing and like, you know, the trading cards are such a, you know, such a big part of what I like, you know, in terms of like my corner of like what I love. So to see the Australian trading cards, which kind of aren't, they're not the same set of images that we're used to as far as like all the materials from you know the time books and things like that as a kid so to me discovering those australian training cards in your channel and then actually trying to go on a hunt to find them oh i'm so you know, glad <laughs> uh, i think i found like i went to this like swap meet kind of like nerd swap meet thing that's like in southern california and like i had to, it felt like old school i was like i had to talk to a guy and he was like oh i think i have a box of those somewhere and like it, it kind of it, it not only like, you know, again, seeing this kind of different imagery that mm. you don't normally see in, in the original like American marketing, but then also to have to like go on what almost felt like what you would have to do in the 90s to go find something, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, cool. that also like was another level of appreciation for me, I think. Like, again, it's almost like collecting, you know, again, I, I you know, I, I feel like maybe I'll be harping a lot on the Funko Popization, but it just doesn't quite feel you know, it, 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 and I think it's been proven, you know, it's like the value of stuff that you can just sort of click and buy and, you know, it's inflated. It's like a false, you know, thing. And I obviously don't fault people who want to collect Funko Pops. I mean, I have a few myself, but you know, it's, there's, again, it's that idea of like what things bring your, like, you know, it's almost like creating a new experience or something for you. I don't know if that is making much sense, but no, no, that makes sense. And it's sort of like, it's sort of like the big bang of the idea of Jurassic Park and kind of like as you as you get further away, the light is getting dimmer from the source. And, you know, you might have stuff that's inspired by this, this, you know, big bang at, at the beginning, but it wasn't part of it. And it didn't feel as crafted as those original things. I mean, there's something nice about the sort of primordial um, uh, sort of state of Jurassic Park before it was even released. The fact that there wasn't really a hundred percent match up on like the dinosaurs designs. Um, there were like the artwork that came out on products that wasn't kind of, you know, consistent yeah. with the film. And I think it all kind of 
built up this imaginary world of Jurassic Park if you were buying that stuff back then. And also, there's the imaginary world of what other people are buying on other parts. Of, you know, in like Australia, you're saying, you know, the dynamic trading cards. When I found out those existed, I was like, oh, so now I picture myself in Australia or New Zealand collecting those cards in the 90s in the same way I did the Topps cards. And they came in like vending machines, I think. So I was oh, like, wow. I, was, I was trying to like picture people collecting Jurassic Park stuff through vending machines in 1992, 1993, and just trying to picture what that was like. And yeah, I just feel like it's almost like um, appreciation through collecting archaeology almost, yeah. you know? I, I like that. Yeah, I think it's just, yeah, sort of um, getting in touch a little bit, you know, uh, with your past self in a way that's, yeah, like we've been saying, shedding new light on it. But I mean, we might as well get get this out of the way because I'm just very curious because I actually don't know if I know this entirely. But I mean, what is your Jurassic origin story? When when was the first time you saw it? And like, when were you like, oh, my gosh, this is I have to, you know, like, how did that all begin? Um, so I think I was watching um, like one of those early morning news uh sort of tv shows where it's sort of light entertainment as well and um it came on um i was at school and i was probably about five six years old came on the tv and they showed a clip of jurassic park and it was a few fleeting clips um i think one of them was the main road attack and i just got this glimpse of the t-rex going past what must have been the jungle explorer when it goes past the windscreen i think now looking back i'm not 100 percent sure but I remember that moment running out to my parents, screaming, saying, I've just seen a dinosaur on television. And it, <laughs> because at the time, I think I was learning about them at school. Yeah. And I vividly remember constructing things at school related to, to dinosaurs and prehistory. I made um, a Brachiosaurus out of like um, toilet roll tubes in a box. <laughs> and um, and its neck was another toilet roll tube with another box on the top. And that was the, the Brachiosaurus. And I painted it sort of blue. And I, I remember like coveting this thing, thinking I've got a dinosaur here and I've made this. And this is amazing. And then uh, Jurassic Park hit at just that time. And I think... Late 80s, early 90s, dinosaurs were huge anyway. They were, yeah. they, were, they were pretty much everywhere, but there had been a bit of a lull in terms of their exposure, I think, because they sort of had a heyday, maybe late 70s, mid 80s, yeah. and then they were still popular. Kids were still collecting, but generally they were like museum cast figures. I remember I had some dinosaurs from the museum, and then there's probably uh, Dino Riders was was popular, <laughs> but I that was still 80s stuff. Um, so there wasn't really like um, a huge uh, merchandise market for dinosaurs. It was probably T-shirts and things with dinosaurs on them. But Jurassic Park really came along and stamped authenticity on dinosaurs <laughs> and really said, this is legitimate dinosaurs. And I remember that moment being crystallized by that early morning show and going out and saying to my parents, then the next moment for me, the next kind of important point was when Jurassic Park was in the cinemas following that and um, looking across at the cinema across the road. My brother and sister had already seen Jurassic Park. They were older than me. Oh, wow. and, and they'd said, um, we were with our mum and dad, and they said, can we take uh, David to go and see Jurassic Park? And for a moment, we were going to go. We were, we were going. And then uh, my parents stepped in and went, hang on, hang on, okay. Jurassic Park. I think I've heard about that. That's a scary film. And uh, my brother and sister said, it'll be all right. We'll go with him. He'll enjoy it. We'll take it. You know, we'll take him to go and see it. Mum and dad were like, no, you're not, <laughs> not going to go and see it. And I remember that moment really clearly. So I had to wait a whole nother year until the VHS release, because I don't wow. think people realized that the film didn't come out on VHS until over a year later uh, in 94, I think. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, then I remember watching Jurassic Park on my mother's lap with like, you know, having my eyes covered for scary bits. <laughs> um, and that was my first viewing of Jurassic Park. But my sister was the only person who had a VHS player in the house. So I would run upstairs to her room after school. And for about a year, no word of a lie, I went up every evening after school, went up, put the VHS in, 
started watching Jurassic Park again, watched it to the end, and then and then next day did the same thing for about a year, I think, on and off. I mean, I was probably playing with Jurassic Park toys as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's how sort of um, uh, addictive it was, you know, and how much I kind of adored that film. Um, and I did the same thing with other films after that, Star Wars and uh, yeah. goodness knows what else. Um, but Jurassic Park was the one that really stuck with me. And uh, I think the fact that it came out with the making of Jurassic Park, which my friend had and had recorded off the television, and I used to ask if we could watch it every time I went around their house, um, that made it even better because you had the film, which I loved, and then you had the making of, which was almost a joy, you know, as equal, yeah. if not greater than the film itself, because I could see the craft that went into this film and it was unbelievable full size sculpted out of clay dinosaurs i was like what <laughs> like what like think about that clay was something you had it was a tangible thing you could you could buy at the art store and to think that yeah. someone had sculpted a t-rex full size out of clay i mean that <laughs> first blows your mind and then you go on to the visual effects side of things which um you know i loved uh, Terminator 2 and that sort of stuff and to see the progression and the leap to making you know this this real looking animal it actually looks like it's there I remember yeah just all of that blew my mind um, yeah and the Gallimimuses being in the handheld shot looking back that yeah. really blew my mind that they looked like they were there and, and I didn't appreciate it at the time but now I know that it's because it was filmed in a way that they'd never done that before because it was handheld yeah. So to see visual effects in a handheld shot was so visually striking back then that you couldn't question that that was real. You could like, even though they looked overly CG and now they look really CG <laughs> at the time, because of the fact they were just tracked into the shot was so visually groundbreaking that that was a new visual concept to see that shot. So, so much about it was just brand new and fresh and exciting. But I think there was a little bit of not being allowed stuff that <laughs> made me later on make up for that in my life, I guess. Two things. I feel like the making of Jurassic Park in a way, and I think them really sort of giving it that kind of behind the scenes treatment with, you know, James Earl Jones, like oh, Darth amazing. Vader yeah. is is telling us about how Jurassic Park <laughs> was made. Like to me, that's as iconic as the movie itself in a way and yeah. um and to your other point i th i didn't realize we were actually basically the same age i was six when jurassic park came out oh, and, nice. yeah. um, and i feel like we were just having you know been doing this podcast for a while it feels like it's like by a by the grace of god by a flip of a coin our age of of like who got to see it and who didn't when it came out in theaters and it was like it was like our age was this thing of like, is it going to be too scary or is it not? And it's just like, truly, it feels like a flip of the coin of like who got to see it in theaters and who did not But it's yeah. like, but, but, but your story kind of, yeah, it almost makes me feel like, yeah, that's part of it, why it's almost like we were the perfect age for that movie. Like, absolutely. Because yeah. you weren't like, you know, if you were like, you know, 13 or 14, you probably wouldn't be, we probably wouldn't be like as, um, like sort of mystified by it. And then if we were too young, we maybe wouldn't, you know, have the same kind of questions about it because again, to your point, it's like Jurassic park is something where you're like, Oh, those are real dinosaurs. But then you're also being like, wow, look, oh, look at what they had to do to bring this film to life. It was almost like the first time I ever thought about how movies were made. If yeah. That makes same. Sense. Absolutely. Yeah. It gave me an appreciation for filmmaking as a process and really turned me on to that. You know, before that, I think you kind of live in a world of imaginary stories and you think, oh, these are wonderful stories. But then when you see the craft behind the film, you're like, whoa, these <laughs> people are like, you know, gods. They're like yeah. making this stuff from scratch with their hands. And I'm watching this film thinking, yeah, that looks really real. But I'm never questioning where did that come from? And it comes from the hands of human beings. <laughs> I mean, that, that yeah. part of it just blew my mind. Yeah. So yeah amazing stuff yeah it's it's no i think for me it certainly was you know it it was it was just like it's like that thing i think it's you know either you were going to become a paleontologist or a filmmaker because of this movie like it was like you had two paths laid before you absolutely um, yeah and was um i guess 
how was the sort of transition into like the lost world and JP three? Like what was, cause again, I feel like we were at that certain age where like by the time JP three came out and I think the disappointment of, uh, and I don't know if this was the same for you. Um, it's funny cause I've gone back and I want to like, like my girlfriend recently bought a handful of the JP three figures. Like I sort of have this like weird, like, <laughs> like thing against them, but I'm like, why yeah. they're cool. But I felt like for our age, it was like, okay, like, you know, JP three was like fresh, like going into freshman year of high school. It's like, you know, oh, I'm going to start getting into like music and, you know, girls or what, you know, whatever, like, yeah. um, and was, was that kind of trajectory similar to you? Like as yeah. far as like your fandom goes? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Lost World, I was obsessed about because I was obsessed about Jurassic Park. And I had a friend who was equally obsessed with Jurassic Park. So to, to have a friend to kind of bounce stuff off of was really important, oh, yeah. I think. And and in anticipation for The Lost World, I was, I was kind of like, I don't know, out of the two of us, I was probably the one who was focused maybe on the novel coming out. It was 1995 and I knew it was coming out. And I'd read the first novel and um, I'd understood most of it, but there was still a lot of stuff that had gone over my head, I remember. And then um, I remember holding and, and buying the, the, the second film novel and it having the, the, the little logo, the T-Rex circular logo in blue, I think it was, with the fogged out kind of um, mountainous, like either Nublar, well, it would have been Site B, either Sauna in the, in the background. Then the beautiful illustrated map artwork on yeah. the inside binding was just blew my mind. And I remember thinking, this is Jurassic Park 2. This is the continuation yeah. of the story. And I read it and I remember thinking, I'm not sure how to take this story. I'm not sure how I feel about this story. I like it, but I'm not sure if it feels like the continuation of the film I saw. So, um, and then The Lost World came out and I was, you know, super excited for that. I remember seeing the teaser trailer for it where the T-Rex roars at camera and then the foot stomps yeah. down and leaves the puddle rippling. I remember seeing that in cinemas and losing my mind, thinking this is going to be amazing. <laughs> um, I was fully into the lost world when that came out it was huge it was absolutely huge yeah um and yeah i was so excited for that film i yeah and the same to the same level as jurassic park but i still remember thinking that jurassic park was my favorite even then i remember thinking yeah. i prefer the 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 roundedness of jurassic park i think to your point like i think to me lost world in a way i remember the lead up to it more and i think like i yes weirdly now I've started to sort of go back and appreciate in the same way, like, you know, yeah, Jurassic park, I was six. And so the lead up to it, I don't quite, I wasn't quite as immersed in, whereas the lost world, it was like, yeah, we saw commercials, TV spots, like the, yeah. the green and yellow, the caution, like yeah. Yeah, the imagery of, of lost world to me is, is almost more, it's almost more like I have more memories of like seeing like I have memories of like going to Toys R Us and like trying to find Sarah Harding figure, like trying to find Ludlow, like oh, cool. you know, ne never finding Sarah Harding. I recently bought an unopened Sarah Harding for the first time. I never do. Nice. I never splurge, but it was like something good happened at work or something like that. And I was like, you know what? I've always wanted that Sarah Harding figure. Good for I you. never find it in real life. Like I yeah. was, there, has there been anything like that? I guess maybe when you, I was jumping ahead a little bit. Was has there been anything like that particularly where you were like, you know what, I'm going to do something nice for me, and you're and you get something, yeah, that you always wanted. I think, um, you know, as as I've gotten older, and sometimes I think um, something's coming up that's like screen used or production used, and I'll think, you know what, I have a real attachment to that, and I think that that would be really cool to own. Um, I don't do it so much lately as I did maybe five years ago or so. Um, and I picked up some really nice things back then that have kind of like rocketed up in value now. Um, but yeah, I got a lot of like production pieces where I just think, you know what? And I am, I'm going to treat myself. And I remember I was <laughs> seeing someone years and years ago and they were like, you never treat yourself. You never, yeah, anything for yourself. And I think that was before Jurassic Collectibles. Oh, wow. And I was like, yeah, I, d I don't. <laughs> and I, rem I remember thinking, well, why don't I? Why don't I just get something? I think that was the Red Rex. So, oh, wow. you know, that kind of started me off on that, that journey of, of, of treating myself, but also, you know, collecting 
to, to think, right, well, that was an important part of Jurassic Park history. The thing I think about with The Lost World, when you were saying about the packaging, is how sort of bold and audacious the packaging was. Yeah. It was really like, because I think there was like a 60s uh, resurgence around the time that The Lost World came out, like mid-90s, they had like a 60s oh, yeah, revival, yeah. like a very hippie-dippie, sort of very colourful, yeah. vibrant, almost like, I think early 90s was more tie-dyed, but as it got into the mid-90s, there was like bright and bold colours. Um, and if you look at like the, the sticker album and the, the cards, the collect Hops Collectors cards for... So trippy. Yeah, for um, The Lost World, they're, they're so vibrant. I, I picked some up the other day, and oh, they're, wow. they're, they're so bright and colourful and strange, and like you just wouldn't get away with that kind of um, uh, style you know, now. Um, but yeah, and I remember thinking about it. I remember when it came out, I remember seeing the bright green with the T-Rex with the that's been pushed in contrast and saturation until it's like almost purple. Yeah. And, and I remember seeing that and thinking, whoa, like this is the lost world, you know, versus the Jurassic Park marketing that we'd become so used to. Um, but it soon kind of, you know, it got your attention. You could see it for miles. Yeah. So um, it certainly worked in terms of its boldness. Yeah, um, even if it didn't quite match up with the film itself. No, it didn't. It didn't <laughs> suit the film itself at all. The film was really dark. And if you yeah. think about the kind of decayed look of the logo on the rock, I mean, that's a complete contrast to the bright green. But maybe that was their strategy. Maybe they were thinking in order to make this appealing to kids, we've got to have the bold and bright yeah. variation of, of, of this film. And that's how we're going to sell it to kids. Um, but yeah. Um, and to go back to your point about Jurassic Park 3, I uh, I really... I was excited about that film. I was, I think I was on um, Dan's JP3 page. Me too. Which was, you know, a, a big part of my life. You know, that was yeah. really, um, uh, it was a, basically a web page where people just talked about uh, Jurassic Park. I believe previously it was Dan's The Lost World page. Oh, wow. But I joined when it was Dan's JP3 page and it had a forum where you could discuss, you know, Jurassic Park and collecting and whatever you liked. It still exists. I, I think there's probably oh, well. <laughs> very few posts on there. Yeah, if you Google it, you can find it. That's incredible. Um, but they had the up-to-date um, kind of info on Jurassic Park 3 and they were the first people to break the news of... Um, the Spinosaurus logo, which they didn't even speculate what the dinosaur was in the logo. But as a kid, I saw that logo and thought that's a Spinosaurus, I think, because you could see the the sail. The, the sail going back, the bone structure of the sail going back into the circle part of the logo. And I remember thinking that's got to be a Spinosaurus. And um, yeah, I, I got excited about Jurassic Park 3. I, I didn't like the idea of the Spinosaurus. I have to be absolutely honest. I didn't <laughs> I didn't like the concept of that new dinosaur um, replacing what I felt was already an adequate apex predator, the Tyrannosaurus Rex. I didn't feel like there needed to be a new one for it to entice me. Um, so I felt like that was a bit of a sellout. And I remember thinking that from the moment yeah. I saw that logo, like from the very first moment, um, but then I saw trailers and I thought, actually, this looks exciting. Um, and seeing it in the cinema, I was, I enjoyed the majority of it. I felt like the third act was really rushed yeah. and, and the ending I had, I had problems with. <laughs> um, but I felt like actually it felt consistent with, with the film so far. Um, and it's only now looking back that I can see, you know, there is a lot of silliness. The characters are really, you know, <laughs> quite grating um but i think in terms of the the first act of the film and the way it builds things up slowly and you have grant i think it's held up by alan grant if i'm absolutely honest yeah and the, and the interaction with the raptors who are probably the most interesting dinosaurs in the saga um so i i think i did like jurassic park 3 and then combined with the fact that a few, a few years later the, the DVD, the advent of DVD meant that the Jurassic Park trilogy came out on DVD for the first time and I imported it from the US to get it in advance. Oh wow. Um, it didn't come out on DVD in the UK until about I think three years later. Whoa. <laughs> it's always Jeez. a waiting game over here. Um, <laughs> but but I just I got it from the US and had it for those three years with all of the special features and everything that came with it and I loved that DVD box set, I still have it. And I, I absolutely adore that box set because it was just everything I wanted from the Jurassic Park trilogy crammed into one little box set. 
And that, for me, adds to the excitement of Jurassic Park 3 and the nostalgia looking back. You know, the fact that you had it the first time it was on DVD and so clear and the menus. <laughs> it was my that. first DVD. I mean... Was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jurassic Park 3. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily that I, you know, for me, I didn't like, you know, it wasn't not liking it and then moving on or anything. It just was that thing of like you know, my priorities had changed and stuff. And I, yeah, I, I, I get I, that. I find it so funny now that there's so much nostalgia for the Spinosaurus when I felt like just the days on Dan's JP three page and on the forums and stuff of people. Yeah. Like we were feeling betrayed, you know, and it's, mm. I just, I kind of, I kind of adore the idea that now people um, either who are a bit younger or are our age and are sort of like have a soft spot for the Spino. Now it's, it's, it's just interesting. Like, because yeah. it's like the, the perceptions, you know, how we felt at the time. I mean, and that's a little bit of growth as well, too. I'm sure just at looking at it from a different perspective. But I think with JP3, I remember the sort of Dan's JP3 page of it all. Like that to me, like no joke on my laptop right now, like on my desktop, I keep the file of Ellie grabbing the leaf from Dan's JP3 page. I sort of keep that as a good luck charm on my desktop. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it had a download section. That was so yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, it's it's again, it's that idea of like sort of sometimes the things surrounding the film can sort of bolster your love of it. Absolutely. And at that point, I think maybe that site and Jurassic Park Legacy, which I wasn't a member of, were the, the two biggest kind of talking places for Jurassic Park news. Um, I mean, Dan's JP3 page broke a lot of Jurassic Park news uh, at that time. Um They've got there first quite a few times. So I think that's why I gravitated towards Dan's JP3 page. And also a lot of the opinions on that page seem to align with how I felt. You know, yeah. when people saw the Spinosaurus, they felt the same way as I did. They felt, you know, the T-Rex didn't need replacing. Why was this happening? Um, and it, weirdly, I got a similar feeling when Jurassic World was coming out and we had the Indominus Rex and I was like, here we go again. <laughs> They're doing it again. Um, and yeah, it's, it's funny that, that kind of, um, that time that's crystallized and yeah, it's, it's nice that people like the Spinosaurus because I, 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 I enjoyed the Spinosaurus on a kind of epic level in the film, like the way that it was portrayed. Um, I think of like the scene when it first emerges from the jungle and chases them around a corner and then kind of like gets its head stuck in the, the <laughs> tree. And um, I remember thinking how energetic it was and how ferocious this thing was. And I was thinking, well, you know, even though I don't like its inclusion, I can appreciate its construction and the craft and the animation. Uh, and that's a cool aspect of it. So they kind of won me over with the power of the thing. Um, but yeah, it's funny how people do really have a soft spot for the Spinosaurus. And I reviewed the toys, the Jurassic Park 3 toys on the channel. And I did, I just did not experience that toy line. I remember them being in the yeah. stores and seeing them. And I wasn't even considering getting the Jurassic Park 3 toys, I don't think. But I remember seeing them and thinking, whoa, I'm definitely not getting them. You know, yeah, no. the T-Rex sculpt was so off. And, <laughs> you know, you for me, it felt like just recast the, the Lost World toys you know just make them from the same molds repaint them and we'll be happy you know that's yeah. that that is what you do for a jurassic park toy line um but they'd gone with completely new sculpts that were not accurate really obviously and the characters were out of scale with the same larger side, dinosaurs yeah. so i was like what is going on with this toy line i was just it just felt like a joke um and yet when i came back to review them i was like you know i can see how children growing up with this toy line would have been really excited about it in the yeah. same exact way I was. Um, it's, it, it's almost like looking back and seeing my own progression allows me to see how people would really love Jurassic Park three. If that was their first Jurassic yeah. or the one they remember seeing in the, in the theaters. And it almost, you know, the way we talk about sort of the miracle of Jurassic Park, it almost seems that, you know, the, the perfect storm of, of, why JP three sort of, um, you know, caused this franchise to lie dormant for a while is more than just say the film itself, more than maybe the tumultuous making of the film, like the, the switching hands of the toys and sort of, again, like, again, this is the same thing for me. It's like, 
and and being the age where it's like okay maybe i don't want to play with toys anymore and but then but then at the same time it's like well i don't have incentive to get these toys because they don't even line up with the toys i already have yeah it's like it was just this like perfect storm of things that made me go all right i'm gonna set jurassic aside for a little while Um, you know obviously always liked it and stuff but i mean again you know, I I just look in my room right now, and it's like I have more Jurassic stuff than I ever had as a kid, for yeah, sure. And, you know, absolutely, yeah, same, yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The, the first video that you put up, the Red Rex, was that 2009 or 2010? 2009, I think. There was a thing with YouTube where they, because I, I used the original Jurassic Park music, and then they started analyzing waveforms in videos to track if uh, music was copyrighted. So at one point there was like essentially the danger of all videos on the channel like going down if I didn't do oh. something. So what I did is I re-downloaded them, put royalty-free music on them and, and re-uploaded a lot of them and at the same time started narrating them. And that was like the first time I put my voice to the video, strangely enough. It sounds like we're talking about kind of talkies, like we're going back <laughs> to sort of like early cinema, but it really wasn't that big a deal. It was just the fact that I hadn't gotten around to doing any vocal stuff on the channel. I just felt like it was music and the images were enough. Um, I think at the same time, JP Toys 97, who I hugely admire and respect at the time, I think he's Red Hanya now, was... Um, was really affected by this. And I think they stopped doing reviews. I think they stopped wow. doing videos where they had the Jurassic Park music over the top and they had like text at the bottom, narration type thing, and that and that was it. And they just stopped. They were like, oh, you know, because it was like all this backlog of all their videos that were yeah. hugely popular had, had been destroyed. And it was such a shame. So yeah, 2009 was when I started. There probably is a 2010 or 2011 equivalent of that Red Rex video. And that's the one where I'm talking over the top. Um, I mean, it's a very brief snippet of a video. It's just like me editing like this thing. And I think it's still standing on like the pink foam that came in the box that it arrived in. And um, I was just enamored with it. I just couldn't believe that someone had kept it in such good condition for all these years. I felt like it had almost like come out of a time machine and, um, you know, all the colors were rich on it and the T-Rex was just there in the box. I could, you know, reach in and touch the skin. And it was just, it was just amazing to think, wow, it was also huge. And I was thinking, where the hell am I going to put this thing? (laughs) But at the same time, it did make me think, wow, you know, I kind of want to go back and get the other ones. The Triceratops was another one that I had a soft spot for because the Triceratops toy, I don't think a lot of people realize, but there weren't many big dinosaur toys like back then. I'm talking about those museum ones that are cast. They were quite small. You'd have like little tiny ones that you could get that were kind of like, um, I don't know, like ones you could find in a cereal packet or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Very small toys. But you didn't really have these chunky in-your-hand toys. And the Jurassic Park um, commercials on TV really showed off how big these toys were when you saw the Triceratops attacking the Jeep or whatever. And the Triceratops was one really big, chunky, square dinosaur that I remember thinking that 
is amazing. That is probably one of the coolest dinosaur toys I've ever seen. And it was just the Triceratops. Um, but yeah, that is that still remains one of my favorite toys just because of its mass as a toy. It is just <laughs> huge. And we've had loads of big Triceratops toys since. And Tyco with the Dino Riders line were probably the pioneers of that, to be fair. They, they got there first. But it, if you look at the Tyco Dino Riders stuff, they were the prototypical Jurassic Park toys. And it seems like Kenner were probably looking at those. What's on the market right now? They got all of those in and thought, right, how can we improve these? Okay, let's take some of the stuff they've got going for them. The other thing I was thinking today is dino damage is so um, cool when you think yeah. about it. Because up until that point, we hadn't actually thought about dinosaurs fighting and, and actually, you know, in conflict injuring each other and the goriness of Flesh that and bloody creatures yeah because I mean, jurassic park really pushed this goriness there's um <laughs> a load of products here in the uk that that had like dripping blood, blood motifs on them with the jurassic park logo uh and it's something you forget about jurassic park that there was this undertone of it's really gory and scary at the same time and the toys you know kind of epitomized that they had the you know the the removable flesh wound with the anatomy <laughs> underneath and that was just so exciting as a kid i can't you know overstate how cool that was so yeah i remember remember seeing that with the, combined with the triceratops and thinking wow i'd love to own one of those but again the triceratops is one i didn't own when i was little and i thought well, i'd like to get one when I'm, I'm older and i think i got two somehow i can't Ooh. remember how i got one and then one came up really cheap and i thought i can't turn that down so i had two so i was like right well i'm just going to unbox this one i'm going to experience what i didn't experience when i was little and open this thing up as if it's you know christmas day and i filmed that and that became one of the very popular videos on the on the channel um, so yeah, unboxings at that time when it wasn't, um, kind of sacrilegious <laughs> yeah. to open Jurassic Park toys. I think I just oh, got yeah, away yeah. with it. Um, no, but, yeah. yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Yeah. People now would be like, wait, you're opening, you yeah. know, it would be a crime <laughs> and it's, it just feels like, you know, unlike say star Wars, it feels like there's a limited amount of Jurassic Park toys, you know, yes. like it feels like, at, like, I mean, I feel like as far as like lost world trading cards i feel like are really hard to find in unopened now i feel like it's almost i used to be able to see unopened boxes for like you know 25 to 50 bucks and i remember getting the tops an unopened box of tops cards which is what kind of you know watching your channel and then going to this swap me thing and getting like the original tops cards i got that box for like ten dollars you know that's amazing like, i'd love your thought on this you know because I think we were saying in the beginning, like there's this joy of like, cool, I'm an adult. I get to buy whatever I want, but I'm also <laughs> like, you know, I'm starting to realize too, that there's, there might be a, a, a not a danger to it, but it's almost like, you know, uh, like with Pokemon cards, for example, it's like, you know, one pack was so, I was like, so like hungry for as a kid. And it's like, now that I can buy a whole box at once, it's like, you know, it, there's an element of like, you know, chasing that sort of, uh, you know, high and, I think to me this and you know i want to get your thoughts on jurassic world and it, it kind of feels like you know it, it seems like you haven't really been into jurassic world at all this phase of the franchise correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like you it's like you know it, it, it and i kind of almost find that refreshing and again i want to hear what your actual thoughts are but to me from the outside it's like well yeah if you don't like this thing then you don't have to buy it like you don't have to collect it if it's not the thing that brings you joy yeah, I think I, I, I was speaking to uh, Tom, who's a co-creator on, on the channel, Tom Jurassic, and I was saying how it felt to me like there was a certain point in my life where um, I was uh, just about to have children and uh, it kind of like changes your whole outlook on things at the same time. I saw Jurassic World and yeah, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't hugely impressed with, with that film. Um, but there's a whole new generation who adore that film and they're coming up and that is their introduction to Jurassic Park. And, um, it felt like that was their time to enjoy the world of Jurassic and it's their time to buy the merchandise. And I think I, I do kind of with collecting, 
when I started Jurassic Collectibles, I did a bit of everything. I did a bit of Jurassic Park. Uh, I did a bit of um, Star Wars, Back to the Future. I did lots of films that uh, were really, you know, popular and, and inspired me when I was younger. Um, but I would say as time has gone on, I've just been really honest with myself and I collect stuff from just Jurassic Park because I think, well, that was the time when I, you know, fell in love with this story and um, this is the stuff that makes me most excited. So I'm just true to myself. I think with, with like some of the Jurassic World legacy stuff, that's cool because that allows me to enjoy um, some of the older stuff with maybe newer toy technology or, yeah. you know, and I think um, you were very helpful in me acquiring um, a certain box set with like Alan Grant and, a, and a, an array of dinosaurs that's really hard to track <laughs> down here in the UK. And I thank you so much for that. And, and that's a nice way to connect with, you know, my collecting days when I was younger. But I don't go overboard on collecting Jurassic World stuff because, like you say, I didn't connect with the film in the same way that I did um, the original. Um, I, I um, felt like Fallen Kingdom was um, a, a, a better film in terms of direction. Um, but I'm waiting to see what happens in Dominion and I'm excited <laughs> about the old cast coming back. Yeah. Um, I just feel like I'm not as invested in this new trilogy as I was the original trilogy. And perhaps because Dominion is going to be more consolidated with the old story, huh. I'll be more invested in this chapter. Um, but it still feels like I've had a sort of like I've left the the dock. <laughs> I've left the dock of Jurassic Park or Jurassic World. Is a I say it's kind of like its own dock, really. And I've departed on a boat, and I'm kind of looking at it from from the ocean. I'm looking back on it and going, oh, there it is. Okay. Whereas Jurassic Park, I'm very firmly moored <laughs> for life. You know, that is Jurassic Park. The original is is the one that I'm trading with. You know, that's yeah. that's the place where I live. So, um, yeah, I'm just very honest with myself in, in that way. Um, and I, I think, uh, you know, I could collect everything. I could review everything <laughs> on the channel. I'd have no room and I'd live in a house that was absolutely stuffed with Jurassic World stuff. But I think there would come a point where I'd be like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I, why am I, you know, surrounded by this stuff that I'm about a franchise I'm not entirely enthused about? So I'm glad that I made that decision and Tom has come on board and he's doing a fantastic job with the channel. Um, and I'll come in here and there and do some Jurassic Park reviews. Uh, but yeah, Jurassic Park is where my heart is at, really. Yeah, well, and it's almost like, because this is just making me think like, you know, not everything as far as, again, if we're, you know, thinking about films and then also just collecting things and stuff. And in a weird way, to me, Fallen Kingdom, almost the the toys that came from that with Mattel taking over are almost the most innovative thing about this new phase of the franchise because i never thought and i've said this before on the podcast i never thought i would collect toys ever again i like i moved to la i was like okay cool i'm gonna get into trading cards i'm gonna do all that stuff and now i'm surrounded by dinosaurs again and it's like <laughs> because good. i feel like it captures the magic of like not just jurassic but just like dinosaurs themselves and it's like getting to see dinosaur toys for species that I always wanted, you know, and I, and I wonder if, you know, when we look back, um, you know, at this franchise as a whole, that this era that, that maybe the Mattel toys are actually going to be what's sort of cited as a high point for this time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I do. I quite often think that I think that the toys have been exceptional and, and, you know, in terms of, world building and you know for kids growing up with jurassic world that must be really wonderful you know to kind of delve into all these different dinosaur species and build their own worlds i mean it's the kind of um extent that we dreamt of when you know the jurassic park toys came out um i think yeah i think the mattel toys are definitely a high point of this new franchise and and it kind of came out of nowhere like you yeah. had the you had you had the hasbro attempt um which, you know, again, it was like JP3 again, I felt. Um, uh, and, and then suddenly Mattel came through with, you know, this colossal T-Rex. And it was just as I was kind of like getting out of the franchise in a way, getting out of, you know, Jurassic World and 
And uh, I just remember thinking, these toys are amazing. Like, whoever is behind this genius is just, you know, it's just spot on. And it's just, yeah, I think it's captured the imagination of, of, you know, a lot of Jurassic Park old school collectors. They're like, these are the toys that we wanted in 1993, 1997. Yeah. Um, and it's just amazing. I think it comes at a time when technology is allowing the production of dinosaurs to this quality. I think a lot of it's got to do with uh, 3D printing, yeah. um, making things digitally, um, you know, being able to test things digitally in a way that we couldn't with toys when we were in, in the 90s. A lot yeah. of them were cast off of, you know, hand-sculpted uh, wow. figurines um, and and Stan Winston sculpts. You know, a yeah. lot of them were actually, you know, Stan Winston original <laughs> sculpts that they'd repurposed and turned into toys, which blows my mind. Um, but yeah, I think the, the leaps in technology have meant that now children are really able to enjoy the toys that are associated with, with Jurassic World. They're very, very lucky. So yeah, that's that's a really cool thing about this new franchise. As far as like collecting goes, like yeah. if, you know, if people have, again, cause I, I, you know, I think our philosophies as far as collecting goes are pretty similar, but like if, you know, if somebody was to start maybe not even Jurassic sp specifically, but like, what would be your sort of like key things or key like tips to keep in mind when starting to collect or, or thinking about getting back into it? You know, again, I, I truly like. You know, when I discovered your, I mean, a lot of stuff I've like gotten because of your channel, like the oh, Lost World, you. like storybook and like yeah. the stuff that, again, it's like, it's either like, I have a weird soft spot for Congo toys because they're basically just oh, repaints cool. of a lot of the Kenner stuff. Like, yeah, it, it, to me, it's, yeah, it's like those things that kind of drive my imagination versus like, what is the most valuable? But yeah, if somebody were to get into collecting now, what would be kind of your tips for them? Um. Well, I'd say become familiar with, with eBay or other auction sites. Um, and, and I would say always go for the stuff that speaks to you. I, I'm constantly fascinated by the fact that I can pick something up for £10, which is, you know, it's not too much. And uh, it'll be something that I've been looking for for years. And it's so cheap. No one wanted it. <laughs> and and yet, if you look at it, the packaging or uh, the book or whatever's contained inside, that you think this is this is pure treasure to me. This is gold dust. And um, yeah, so it's not about how much the thing costs. And the other thing is, like when I bought a lot of the stuff in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Um, it was not as expensive as it's yeah. gotten now. So I imagine there's going to be a lot of Jurassic World collectors listening. You know, get your Holy Grail pieces in, you know, fairly early. Get something that you kind of thought, oh, yeah, actually, I probably will get that one day. Get it now. Just get get one piece. You know, it doesn't have to be very much. Just get one piece that you're getting. I saw the Brachiosaurus, the legacy Brachiosaurus came down was half price here in the UK the other day. Oh, wow. You know, it's stuff like that when you think, you know, if you're just going to get one thing, get get that. Don't spend the earth. Get something that's that's a real bargain and you're really pleased with, and you know that it's going to last and and is going to be um, a piece to remember. It doesn't have to be what everyone else is collecting at that point in time. I mean, I partly envisage maybe one day Jurassic Park stuff going down in value. I don't know. I imagine it will go up for Dominion because there'll be a lot of exposure. Um, yeah. but maybe Jurassic Park stuff will go down again like it did in the, you know, the lull between Jurassic Park 3 and, um, you know, Jurassic World. And if it does go down, maybe exploit that time to, to grow your collection, um, you know, and, and wait for stuff. Be patient. Don't you don't have to get it when it's at its most expensive. You can wait on eBay, you know, do a safe search and, and, you know, keep a, keep an eye out for stuff. Um, but what I wouldn't want people to do is to think, I need to collect absolutely everything, <laughs> regardless of whether I have a connection with it. Because I, well, I mean, I, I collect a lot of stuff, but I, I do genuinely only pick up stuff that I think I've got a connection with that. And I do sell stuff as well. I sell stuff that I think, okay, I've got two of that. Why do I need two? I don't need to. Or, you know, oh, this is something from The Lost World. I love The Lost World, but my main love is Jurassic Park. So I'm going to pass this off, sell it, give it away. Um, and, and I think that's important too, is not to be 
too possessive and think, right, yeah. okay, actually, what does this speak to me? Uh, so yeah, so keep the cost low. And does it speak to you? That's the secret. <laughs> I, I know. I that's I that's I think that's great advice. And I think again, keeping that sort of pressure off people to, you know, to indulge in things that maybe they're not always comfortable to indulge with. You know, like yeah. personally for me, I'm not interested in any of the pteranodons of the Mattel toys. Like they're just they don't speak to me. And so right. you know, I don't want to buy them. So I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah. And uh I guess maybe this should be my last question, but, uh, okay. is there anything that you still, is there any Holy grails that you still haven't gotten yet? Um, you know, I often think about this and I think, you know, I've got enough, I've got enough. I think I'm actually really satisfied with, with all the things I've collected every so often I'll see something and I'll think, oh, I'd really like to own that as well. So I'll, I'll, I'll either watch it, wait for it and get it. Or, um, uh, I'll kind of just treat myself. I'll just think about a bad <laughs> week or, you know, um, so, uh, yeah, I do, I do still collect stuff, but I just think I've got enough. I think there's a lovely time when you just think I I'm grateful. I'm happy. And, and Jurassic park, the main thing to take away from Jurassic park is the enjoyment of that story in the film. That is the thing I'm most grateful for. Um, if anything now, I guess I feel like a custodian of stuff that I should probably <laughs> look after because on, on my demise, it's going to be left and it's going to go somewhere else. So I guess I'm a custodian of, of stuff for my life. And, um, that's a good way to look at it and think, well, in that way, it's probably most important that I pick up stuff that speaks to me because it's going to say who I was as a collector and what I was interested in and what was important to me. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy, but I think Holy Grails, I'm trying to think now. That's a, that's a really good question. Um, it's not so much picking something up as maybe meeting someone. So I would like to meet Spielberg. Yeah. Uh, I would like to meet George Lucas or, um, you know, anyone involved with the film, um, speak to them, just ask them a few questions. I think those are the Holy grails to me is, is, is learning and, and feeling closer to, to the franchise. Um, I've got a hardcover making of Jurassic Park book that I don't know how I stumbled across on eBay. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, for $21, exactly. And, and I, I'm not even sure how many of these were made because I've never, well, I've seen one more and it was signed by Spielberg himself. Wow. So I would really love to get mine signed by Spielberg and just to say thanks, just to say, you know, I don't know whether you enjoyed or how you feel about that production because he had a hard time on that like he was going into schindler's list and he was pulled away and you know there was lots of stuff going Arcane on there and... yeah so i kind of feel like i just want to say you know thanks for for how much attention you paid to that film how much detail you put in and how much passion you put into it because it's it's really changed my life and that's um that's probably the the holy grail that i would really like and that would be the the ultimate part of my collection oh i love that so much i mean again it's like the first step is getting stuff the second the 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 maybe the more important part is enjoying it you know absolutely yeah enjoying it yeah absolutely because why why collect it if you don't enjoy it and that's the thing i'm trying to get my display sorted with all like as much of the stuff i've got my i'm looking over i'm actually right next to it. i've got my mcdonald's jurassic park cups and um i've got some jurassic park maquettes and some of the tops cards some of the old candy things in there like original display from the shop and what I think is, why have I put this stuff on display? And what it does is it just transports me back to that year, couple of years when it was huge, when Jurassic Park was huge and I was there and I was so excited about it. And I think that that's, that's what's important to me is, is, is being transported back to that magic. And that's, that's what I think I collect for now. Wow. Beautifully said, David, this has been so much fun. So incredible. Thank you. Thank for you. The time to chat with me today. No, thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's been an honor. Where can people find you, follow you, you know, see, I, I know I saw you, I forget. I just was, cause I'm moving soon. So I was like looking up to see if you had videos of like showing your collection or building stuff. Cause I'm like wanting to get inspired. 
where can people you know get all that kind of thing yeah so if you probably the you know the, the best place is um youtube.com forward slash jurassic collectibles um there has been um a series i've done on there if you look for the playlist where i've, I've been building a display so if you want to see my collection building up i haven't done like a collection tour because i'm kind of waiting for that display to, yeah. to culminate and, and, and complete so um i haven't done that and Gosh, I mean, there's so much stuff that I wish I, I had time to, to film right now. Probably one of the most interesting ones is Jurassic Park blueprints for the exterior sets in Kauai. Ooh. And I have a whole load of these and they're going to be great videos. I've done one on the visitor center, but I've got a whole load more and um, they're magic. I mean, they are magic. You're looking at like the design of the sets that w we all know and, and love. So that will be uh, future videos. Um, but yeah, you can check me out there on YouTube and then on Twitter uh, at Jurassic Collect uh, and then Facebook, I think it's uh, Jurassic Collectibles, facebook.com forward slash Jurassic Collectibles. And then we're also on Instagram. I think it's at Jurassic Collect again. Um, yeah, but if you search Jurassic Collectibles YouTube, you should be able to to find most of the content on there. And Tom is doing a smashing job. So there's a lot of Jurassic World content on there as well. So definitely go and check it out. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.